Okay, good vach. Heard some really great stories this week, and I share with you. Um, we're now coming from Shabbos. of blesses the month of El, the month of Teshuva, the month of inspiration. And I heard a great story today from Reb Baruch Duchman. Uh, I don't know the source of it. This is the way he shared it. He said there was a very wealthy man who was looking for a prospective groom for his daughter. And his um, rabbi said to him, I know a really, really great guy, a genius Torah scholar. The only thing is, is that he is um, he stutters a bit. He stutters a bit, and rather than that, he's amazing. He's, he's a wonderful man with an excellent character, a genius Torah scholar, and he's dedicated to studying Torah. He'll be a perfect match for your daughter. The wealthy man isn't so excited. He said he stutters. Yeah, he stutters, but I'm telling you, don't worry about the fact that he stutters. He's really, really a special young man. So the wealthy man said, okay, let me, let me meet him. Let me meet him. So they make up. On Wednesday at 8 o'clock, he's going to come over to this wealthy man's home. And the wealthy man opens the door. And the prospective groom is there. And he goes, eh, 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 eh. And the wealthy man slams the door in his face. And the boy is completely insulted. And he goes back to the rabbi and the rabbi is aghast. He had told the guy how how this boy stutters, and why is he all of a sudden um, like pretending he didn't know about this? Why is he? Why did he shut the door in the boy's face? It's so unfair. So he told this wealthy man as much. Like, what were you thinking? I told you the boy stutters. The, the man said, "Listen, rabbi, you told me he's very smart. So if he was going to stutter." He should have started saying his introduction before he knocked on the door, and he would have gone through the ah 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 ah, ah and finally, when he knocks on the door, he'll be able to say his name. The fact he knocked on the door, and he knew he was going to stutter anyways. So why did why didn't he just start trying to say his name before? And by the time I would he would knock on the door, the door I would open the door, he'd be able to say his name. He instead he chose to begin saying his name later. So he knew he was going to start or he should have started earlier. So in a similar way, we know that the month of El was about to arrive. We know it's going to hit us. We're going to say at some point, Anila Dodi, I am to my beloved. And we're going to try to inspire ourselves to be on a whole different level. As the word El is an acronym for the words, Ashiru Hashem Lemer, an acronym for the words, I sing to Hashem, about the redemption, about the redemption from Egypt, and about the future redemption through Mashiach. So it's a month of complete, total redemption, to be in a whole different level than, than we were before. So why should we start later? We know we're going to ek and beck and not go all the way until we, until we get caught, until we get inspired. Let's start early. Let's start, let's start early. That was the theme that uh, he shared, which I think is um, very in sync with the stories I want to share tonight which also echoed this idea of the majesty of the neshama, of the soul, and how in, in ways that are beyond human imagination, the neshama's bond with Hashem always surfaces.
first story, as was in the Sichas HaShavua this week, thank you Yehuda for drawing it to my attention, um, there was a man named Rabbi Daman who would visit the Belzer Synagogue in Belgium. He would, um, he was a, uh, um, he would go there often, every Sunday, and in also, and he, he shared with another man who was a goldsmith by profession, that uh, he has a good story about a talus. So this, Rabbi David Aman, we want to know the story, and finally, the uh, time came, and he was going to share the story, so tell me the story, yes, you have said you have a story about a talus, tell me your story. So this is what uh, this man who is who goes by uh, Jackie. His name is Jacob Zismalch or something like that. That I could be forgiven mispronouncing his name, something like that. So Jacob Jackie shares with Rabbi Daman his story. He said he grew, he grew up in the place called Hanuk Heights, some place in Belgium, a more of a resort kind of town, and he is um, sitting together with a friend. And while they're sitting together, there's a guy who passes by driving a bike. And his friend says, that man driving the bike, he's actually Jewish. But funny thing is, he doesn't even, he just discovered he's Jewish. Who was the guy driving the bike? Guy driving the bike, his name was Jean-Claude Sintabin. It's a true story. This, is, this story is printed in the Sikhat HaShavuah with pictures, with names, it's a real, it's, it's a story which, which I, when I heard it, I didn't believe it, it sounded too fast, f- fantastic, but it's a true story. So, Jean-Claude uh, Sintemann is driving on the bike past Jackie and his friend, and Jackie's friend said, yeah, he just discovered he's Jewish. What was the story? Jean was summoned by his mother on her deathbed, and his mother said, Jack, it's, it's, it's a story from the movies. He says, she says, go into the attic. There's a chest there. I want you to go open the chest. Okay. He goes to the attic and in this chest, there's, there's only two things. There's this, um, uh, this is cloak and a book. And some, and he goes back to his mom. Mom, what's this? And his mother said that, uh, at the end of, World War Two. Um, she found. She said to to Jean, "I found you, in a uh, by a train station, in the garbage, with a uh, wrapped in this talus, wrapped in this Jewish cloak. You're Jewish. This is a Jewish thing. This is a thing Jewish people wear. This is a Jewish prayer book, and you are Jewish. That's what he. That's what his mother said on her deathbed." It's all we found with you. You're Jewish. We found you with this talit. We found you with this prayer book. You're a Jew. So he was a very wealthy man. He was married to a non-Jewish woman. And he was very um, touched by this discovery. And he kept in touch with Jackie. And Jackie encouraged him to explore his Jewishness, to learn more about his Jewishness. But this was to the chagrin of Jean-Claude Sintabin's wife, Mrs. Sintabin, who she, as not being Jewish, was very, very unnerved by the, all this Jewish talk. So whenever Jackie came over, and Jackie was telling him about more things about his Judaism, she would interrupt, and she would try to stop the conversation. She was very upset about this. 
So John told Jackie, please, when my wife is here, don't talk about this. She gets, she gets nervous about this. Jackie, when he discovered he was Jewish, he felt this talus was like an amulet. It was a protective shield. And he, this grown man, elderly man, elderly man, would walk around everywhere with his talus. He felt this talus is what protects him. And he really was excited about his Jewishness. One day, he calls up, uh, it was, it was Saturday night, and Jackie sees on his phone that John had tried to reach him a couple times. He calls him up, and he's all upset. He's crying. He says, you won't believe what you did to me. What you do? His wife had taken away his talus. She disappeared with his talus, and he was so upset. He said, he said, the doctors have discovered in me, I forgot to mention, this was, he knew already before that he had a terminal illness. He had a terminal illness, and uh, he didn't have that much time. But by the time when she took his talus, he was so upset. And he said, I want to stay alive until Friday. Because on Thursday, I'm going to have people come to my home, lawyers, to change, to remirth my will and to delete my wife from the will. She took my talus. How could she take away my talus? So Jackie says, listen, I'm going to come over. I'm going to bring you my talus and a pair of tefillin. I want you to put on tefillin. And he comes over and he puts on tefillin with him and he gives him his talus. And he's very appreciative. And as Jackie predicted, as John predicted rather, that Thursday people came and they, and they remirthed the will and he passed away on Friday. And he took his wife out of the will. He was very wealthy and actually, um, Jackie, um, told, asked John, what's your plan for your burial? He said, I want to get cremated. And Jackie said, you can't do that. The Nazis did cremation. You can't do this. And it actually, actually, there was some prominent, um, Another, another John uh, was a prominent, um, uh, member of, of, of Belgian politics who, who didn't identify as a Jew, but at the end of his life, he decided he wants to get buried as a Jew and made a big stir in Belgian radio and, and the news. So he told him, listen, this guy, same as you, he didn't know he was Jewish and he got buried as a Jew. You should get buried as a Jew. And he agreed and he was buried as a Jew. And at his funeral, his tombstone, there is a mug and David. Jackie told this whole story to Rabbi Daman, who was so overwhelmed by the story that he wanted to go visit the um, burial's place of John Clad John Clad uh, Sintiman. And he went there and he said prayers there. And there's a picture of the grave with uh, Rabbi Daman, and this shows you how you know we think we know who we are, but our Jewishness. Our soul is our most real self, and we could hem and ha, but that's who we are. I'll tell you another story that I just heard this By week as well. Way, also, he has the talus with him when they buried him. Because Not the original talus. The talus was stolen. He had the talus that was given to, gifted to him. Arab. Right, thank you. He got the talus that was gifted to him by um, by Jacob. Yes, thank you. That. Um, we're coming now from. Um, Reb Leivik's yard site, um, the Rebbe's father's yard site, heard two stories this week from Rebbe Shalom the prominent uh, Hasidic mentor 
in the Yeshiva of Olay Torah. He shared two stories that he knew firsthand um, from people who shared the stories with him about Rabbi Levitz, the Rebbe's father. Uh, the first story is, you heard from Rabbi, a certain Rabbi Cooperman, who was a son of a neighbor to Rabbi Levi Yitzchak, whose name was Cooperman. And when um, he was a baby, the doctors uh, said that he would not be able to survive. He has this illness, he won't be able to survive. And his family, um, at that time, lived near Yerkenislav. And so... The, the, this, this man's grandfather, the father of the, of the uh, man who said the story, um, went to Rabbi Levi Yitzchak and asked Rabbi Levi Yitzchak, since he lived near Rabbi uh, he went to Rabbi Levi Yitzchak to ask Rabbi Levi Yitzchak for a bracha for his son, who the doctor said with his illness he won't be able to survive. So Rabbi Levi Yitzchak said, with that, that illness, the doctor is saying he can't survive, with that illness, you could live for 70 years. That's what I believe Yitzhak said. This man lived, this boy, this baby lived for exactly 70 years. Just like I believe Yitzhak said is with his words, he could live for 70 years, and as his words were exactly, he lived for 70 years. Now there's another story about I believe Yitzhak. That story happened to Katrinislav. I believe Yitzhak eventually was exiled to Chile, to Almata. And there in Almata, this story was also shared firsthand by the son of the story, uh, the son of the person who the story happened with. The, um, this, again, there was a baby, and the baby was very ill. Because the baby was very ill, they did not want to perform a circumcision on the baby. And they consulted a believe Yitzchak, and believe Yitzchak said, give him a circumcision and he'll recover. Exactly the opposite of what the doctors thought, that the, doc- the doctors didn't want to get circumcised him because who knows what's going to happen? I believe it's said the exact opposite. If you'll circumcise him, he will recover. No, it's, it's amazing. If our tzaddik sees things that are beyond our knowledge, but we think, you know, our, our, our physical body's health is coming from, you know, maintaining the, the physical laws of nature. But in this instance, I believe Yitzchak actually healed the baby with the mitzvah, the mitzvah circumcision. It tells us a lot about we, you know, as I mentioned before, our, our, our identity as Jews, identifying with our soul, not just identifying with the, um, with the physical. So this week, on that note, uh, I was blessed to have Rabbi Fishman, Eingezund, my uh, teacher for many, many years in Western Massachusetts, was here at the Shabbos. He shared a few stories on a similar theme, shared many stories. Uh, maybe I'll share some of them tonight and keep them for another, other stories for another occasion. But um, one story that you should have never heard before uh, was about my grandfather, Rabbi Fogelman Olvashon, who was a student in the yeshiva, in the previous Rebbe's yeshiva in 770. And the previous Rebbe, when he arrived in America in 1940, had didn't have his library, did not yet arrive, and he needed books. He needed a simple books that that, I, that he, the previous Rebbe needed. And he sent my grandfather to go buy books at a bookstore in Lower East Side. And my grandfather shared with Rabbi Fishman something he heard from the proprietor of this store. I think his name was Rabbi Frank, uh, Frankel. The man said the following, this man either knew the story himself 
or you heard the story from someone who heard who was there himself. The story was about the Rizna Rebbe. So either this man himself was alive at the time of the Rizna Rebbe, or you heard this from someone who had directly heard this from the Rizna Rebbe. And it goes like this. The Chassim, the Rizna Rebbe, were a little bit upset about the attention the Rizna Rebbe gave to simple people. They didn't like the attention he gave simple people. They thought like these simple people, they, they don't really get the greatness of the Rizna Rebbe. He's spending time with them. It's really a waste of time. So the Rizna Rebbe sensed the confusion of his students and he told them the following uh, teaching from Psalms. Uh, it goes like this. Uh, we're trying to find the verse. Uh, the verse goes like this. If you think a little bit about yourself, and you're indeed not a wicked person, you know you're, you're not a, you're not a wicked person, you're doing the right thing. However, if you meditate about the place where people who are not gifted to have a upbringing like you do, and they are not observing the Torah like you are. But they are doing what they know. They are in their space. They're not in your space. If you meditate about their space and where they are, ve'enenu, you will discover that you are nothing. Yes, when you look at yourself, you'll think you're not so wicked. But if you think about people in your life who are, you look at as they're just simple people. If you think about the place they're in and who they are, ve'enenu, you'll discover that you are not really, um, not, not not that great at all. That was one story you shared. A second story, maybe I should share the stories before I forget them. L'chaim. Second story you shared, which I heard before, but never heard it with all the details. Unbelievable story. His uh, sister wasn't doing well. She went to the hospital. And uh, there was a question about moving her from one hospital to UMass General. And the Rebbe was consulted. And the Rebbe said they should do exactly what his sister wanted. And Baruch Hashem, miraculously, she recovered completely. And sort of as a thank you, Rabbi Fishman brought the Rebbe a envelope full of money and checks that he had collected over time. He wanted to give the Rebbe, especially because of this great blessing that the Rebbe had given his sister. And when he gave the Rebbe this envelope, the Rebbe opened the envelope and was sort of playing with the money. And he didn't uh, see this in a kind light. It looked a little funny to him. Why is the Rebbe playing with the money? The money is so important to the Rebbe. And he, he made a <laughs> a signature Rabbi Fishman sigh. Eh! Like, what's, what are you doing? Why are you looking at the money so much? That's what, that was his knee-jerk reaction. I don't know that more than what he told me. So the Rebbe looked at him very seriously. The Rebbe said, what is by you physical is by me spiritual. In other words, the money, I think the money is something physical. What is by you physical is by me, the Rebbe says, this is actually spiritual. In other words, physical money, again, money belonged to a Jew. Looking what a Jew is, in my own words, not the Rebbe's words, what is money for a Jew? It's a spiritual thing. As the Alter Rebbe said, that Hashem gives the Jewish people physical things, and Jewish people make out of the physical, spiritual, that's who we are. On that note, another story he shared was this. Rabbi Fishman 
As I mentioned, he taught me. He also taught Zalzayin Gazunt, my mother, and all my uncles. He's teaching for many years. He said he taught for 61 years. And that was just officially as part of the school. He still teaches, and as he taught us today, and at the Fabrengen. So he shared the following, that he once got an offer to do business with a certain uh, very prominent Jew, uh, Rabbi Asher Kazanovsky, who was the president of the synagogue that uh, I attended as uh, my grandfather's synagogue, Osher Kazanovsky wanted to start a sweater business. And he wanted Rabbi Fishman to invest in the business. And Rabbi Fishman consulted the Rebbe. Maybe she should get into this business. And the Rebbe responded, It's the opposite of what you write to me every single month. Every month, Rabbi Fishman said, he wrote to the Rebbe a report about his students, what they were learning. He wrote it in detail. He taught both children, second grade. He taught also um, the, the girls' high school in Worcester, the Beis Chana. He taught them Chumash with the commentaries. He also taught sixth to eighth grade. He taught Talmud and Rashi and Tosos, intricate Talmud. And he reported to the Rebbe every month his achievement with the students. So Rebbe was saying, it's an opposite what you write to me. In other words, you have such satisfaction of the teachings you, of teaching Torah to your students, and now you're writing about going to business. In other words, don't you get what you really enjoy? This isn't, this isn't for you. This is, this isn't what it's about. Focus on your, on what you really enjoy. Focus on what really matters. Focus on teaching Torah to your, to, to your students. The physical, the money. So it's interesting. On the one hand, the first story was highlighting how when, it, when a Jew has physical things, it's really spiritual because he could do spiritual things with it. On the other hand, it was telling him in the second story, but know what the purpose of it all is. It's, don't, don't, don't let the, um, the present need for money derail you from where you need to go of what your, what your goal is, of what it's all about. But your students, what's, the, what's, what are you, what are you getting into a business for? That was another story he shared. Um, I'll share the, say the other stories from another time that Ray, Ray Fishman. I wanted to share two stories I heard this week. Unbelievable stories. Jaw-dropping stories. First story, um, you may have heard part of it. It's a, a, white, a voice recording of Rabbi Moshe Bleich, who uh, shared the story on WhatsApp, and it went a little viral. So Rabbi Moshe Bleich, he's a Rebbe's emissary in Wellesley, Massachusetts. He didn't share the first part of the story, which I heard from him uh, 25 years ago. Um, the story is this. Rabbi Moshe Bleich, he comes from Stolen and Chassidim, Karlin Stolen. And as many Jews, whether they were originally from Chabad or not, they would come to the Rebbe for, to receive blessing from the Rebbe, especially many people came to the Rebbe after a holiday, when the Rebbe would give out wine from his holy cup that he had uh, said the grace after meals on, Kaisal Bracha, People would come from all over for hours and hours and hours um, till wee hours of the morning. They will distribute, distribute wine. And Rabbi Shabbalaich came with a group of friends uh, to see the Rebbe, to get a blessing from the Rebbe. When his friend, who was in front of him, came by the Rebbe, the Rebbe said to his friend, put out your right hand. According to Torah, the right hand has prominence if you're a righty. If you're left hand, your left hand is considered like your right hand and your, right, and your left hand has prominence. But either way, the Rebbe said to him, you should put out your right hand. The problem was, this guy was somewhat paralyzed in his right hand and he couldn't put his right hand out. 
But that repeated again. Put out your right hand. And as I repeated it, I think it was a third time, he finally miraculously put out his right hand. Everyone around was like, so annoyed. Why is this guy taking up his time? But he just couldn't move his hand. But the Rebbe said those words, and the man moved, put out his right hand, and he had he recovered. And that was something that touched Rabbi Bleich so much that inspired him to learn more about the Rebbe and the Rebbe's teachings until he became an emissary of the Rebbe. And not only is he an emissary of the Rebbe, but his son is also an emissary of the Rebbe. That's part one of the story that he shared 25 years ago to me. Part two, this week, this past week, he found a picture of the Rebbe where he and his father are going by the Rebbe to receive a dollar from the Rebbe. He comes by, and so he found this picture, and it was a remarkable thing that he didn't know that his father had taken the Rebbe at that time. And he was excited about it, and he wanted to get the video of that occasion. And he actually obtained the video, and in the video, he saw this. You can see the video, it's unbelievable. His father said to the Rebbe, I want a blessing that my son should have, should be more, should have, be God-fearing. He should have reverence for God. Yirat Shemayim. So the Rebbe responded, Una chassid by uns echet. He should also be a chassid by us. In other words, he should also become a chabad chassid. And as the Rebbe said those words, you know, the Rebbe said the words and, and took however long it took, but that's what happened. He became a Chabad Chassid, a Shaliyach, an emissary of the Rebbe, and so is, that's what happened to his son. The Rebbe says a word, and the Rebbe's words are, are the truth. Which leads us to a feature story. Machayim, Machayim Rach. The story from my Mendel Shapiro, or the story from my cousin, Machayim Drizen of Crown Heights. Machayim Drizen, um, visited the Rebbe's Ohel, uh, it's a fresh story. At least for me it is, maybe you've heard it before. Um, he visited the Rebbe's Ohel. It was in the wee hours in the morning. And in the Ohel was another chassid, not from Chabad. It was a Bayaner chassid. I'm, of course, as I mentioned, people from all over the world, all kinds of people, religious and not, go to visit the Rebbe to ask for all kinds of blessings, for all kinds of good things. And they see miracles and wonders. So this Bayaner chassid was there also. But my cousin, Rabbi Drizen, was interested. He was curious. I know why I came here. But why did you come here? Tell me more about why you're here. This Bianachas had told him the following story. There was a man in um, Montreal in the early 60s named Rabbi Zusha Zerkent. His siblings um, and he were from a uh, group of, um, a certain group called the Malachim, a certain kind of Hasidus, a certain kind of way of serving of Hashem. And uh, and his wife was a Bayaner Hasid. She came from a Bayaner Hasidim. But he was killed in a tragic car accident. And his father-in-law came to see the Rebbe. His father-in-law was a Bayaner Hasid. And he came to see the Rebbe and asked for a blessing, especially for his daughter, who was now a young widow. And he was very concerned about her ever getting married again. And he said to the Rebbe, what's going to happen to my, my daughter? And the Rebbe said, don't worry, Daigenisht. The chosn is da, the chosn, the, the groom is here. So it's very strong words, very encouraging words. And, uh, sure enough, she did get married. But who'd she get married to? She got married to a man named Stephen Hill. Stephen Hill was a, um, 
don't know if the word is director, producer of a TV show called Mission Impossible. In the first year that this was on the air, this TV show, he directed the show and he wasn't religious at all. And he had visited the Rebbe the same night that Mrs. Zirkin's father did. And when the Rebbe said the chassan is here, it wasn't only figuratively true that she'll find the chassan soon. It was literally true. It was physically true. Her groom-to-be was there in the Rebbe's, in the Rebbe's um, synagogue that night waiting to see the Rebbe as well. And so this Bayana Chassid told my, my cousin, that was my, uh, my father. My father, um, I'm the ninth of nine children. That Stephen Hill, who became a full, he fully became fully observant. He was my father. And he, this, this man told my cousin, I'm the ninth of his children. One of his children is a little famous. You may have heard of him. His name is Rebbe Hill. He does stories for children all over. He makes, makes, um, Torah tapes and, and, uh, so the Rebbe said the words, the chasen is here. The chasen is here. And it was not just figurative. It was literally true. And that's who she, um, that's who she married. So, um, the point is that the chasen is here. The chasen is Hashem. Jewish people are compared to the bride and God is compared to the groom. And the groom is ready for us. We're beginning the month of El this week, waiting for us to, uh, the king is in the field, waiting for us to come to, and he's waiting to redeem us and bring us to, to Eretz Yisrael with Mashiach and waiting for us to, uh, to be ready to do that last good thought, last good word, last good action that will tip the scale. And bring Mashiach. You have to know it's it's here. As we read in today's Torah portion, God said, "Look, I'm giving you today a blessing." You hear the God's words. It's, it's very dramatic. It's like, "Look, wake up! It's real. It's happening." It reminds me of Lang Rabbi Fishman when I was in in his class. He would say, "Morris," that was his word of affection for me. "Morris, wake up!" And similarly, God's saying to us, "Look, wake up." I'm giving you today a blessing. Hashem is announcing through His prophets that we are going to receive a blessing. The coming of Mashiach and the true Nkliko Ula, it's really happening. It's not just one day. It's happening today. The true complete redemption with Mashiach, it's happening. This is what's going on. The chasen is here, just like in the story. L'chaim, 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 should be really good and really sweet, and we should see it happen tonight. Mamish, take me a mamish. Lachaim, lachaim, good vach.